Hello and welcome to this week's Arab Digest podcast. I'm William Law, editor of the Digest. My guest is Dr. Ali Bakir, a MENA region political analyst and consultant based in Ankara. He's contributed a chapter to Divided Gulf, The Anatomy of a Crisis, published by Palgrave Macmillan. Our conversation today focuses on Turkey flexing military and diplomatic muscle in the Middle East and North Africa. Ali, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you, Williams, for hosting me. Let us begin with Libya. The Tripoli-based government of national accord is in the midst of a major offensive. It's inflicting heavy losses on uh, Khalifa Haftar, the warlord backed uh, chiefly by the United Arab Emirates. Turkey now seems to be playing the role of game changer in backing the GNA. Would you agree that the Turks are game changers? And if so, what are the risks for them? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, as you know, Turkey is the most recent uh, player in the Libyan theater comparing to uh, those backing uh, Haftar. Uh, it has uh, chosen to support the UN-recognized government in Tripoli while Haftar was uh, gaining more lands east of the country and uh, closing in on the uh, capital with a very generous and uh, long-standing support uh, 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 from uh, UAE, Egypt, France, and uh, even Russia. So this is, of course, a risky choice for Ankara because uh, uh, Libya is uh, geographically uh, distant and uh, Turkey is uh, outnumbered there with the more regional uh, rivals standing behind Haftar. For them, yeah, uh, supporting the military dictator is a relatively cheap uh, investment uh, with high returns, I believe, uh, especially if uh, he manages to seize the power. So uh, there is a risk that Turkey could be dragged by those players into a kind of war of uh, attrition uh, that uh, would stretch its uh, military thin over um, several regional uh, theaters and uh, increase the burden uh, on its economy. There is also a possibility of uh, Turkey-Russia conflict, uh, among other things, as you know, because... Also, Russian mercenaries are uh, heavily supporting Haftar. However, I think from the Turkish perspective, if you want to uh, protect your allies and interests anywhere in the Middle East, uh, there is no way you can do that without a risk. Uh, if you decided to quit, the region will be uh, redrawn against your interest and uh, without you having a saying in it. And of course, there are opportunities as well as risks, aren't there? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, when Turkey decided to, to support the UN-recognized government in Tripoli, it must have calculated that uh, if Haftar and his uh, anti-Turkey backers took the power by force, uh, then they would cut off uh, Turkey's relations with Libya, including uh, its economic and financial interests, which... Uh, uh, worth billions of dollars. Uh, Ankara also would uh, set to lose a much more important battle on its uh, rights in the Eastern Mediterranean um, against another victor of the hostile bloc, which includes uh, Greece, uh, Cyprus, um, Israel, and uh, Egypt. So uh, such scenario, in my opinion, would uh, result in increasing pressure on Ankara this is about uh, offshore oil and gas rights in the Mediterranean, isn't it? 
Well, there is a conflict between, you know, uh, Greece and Turkey mainly in the Eastern Mediterranean about the the borders and the uh, maritime uh, borders, of course, and the rights to uh, search for uh, gas and uh, oil uh, riches uh, under the water. So it's a very complicated conflict, which includes many countries, but the deal which uh, Ankara uh, made with the GNA secures uh, Turkey's interests. That's why it's very important uh, for it to and vital to support the GNA. So by making sure Haftar is not winning, Turkey is betting that uh, its gambit is actually paying off and uh, its uh, interest in Libya and the Eastern Mediterranean are also secured. On the ground, the balance of power is uh, shifting to GNA's side uh, lately, thanks to Turkey's support. Uh, last month, as you mentioned, uh, the GNA moved from its uh, traditional defensive posture to uh, offensive, and uh, the results were really spectacular. I mean, uh, quick and uh, major advancements, again, after were achieved uh, in the center and the western part of the country. So Turkey, uh, with the GNA, uh, is aiming to secure right now Tripoli's uh, back. Capturing the vital Alwatiya airbase would provide both uh, Turkey and GNA, in my opinion, with, with the strategic and uh, invaluable opportunity to consolidate the gains and uh, to continue the campaign against Haftar with, with the greater momentum in the future. Yani. This is the... the uh, great opportunity for for Turkey and GNA at the same time right now. Yes, that airbase is, as you say, very important. If it uh, is secured by the GNA forces with the support of Turkey, do you see the Turks then moving a significant uh, military presence into the airbase? Well, um, right now the airbase, uh, as uh, I hear, is still under the control of Haftar. There are um, heavy military operations uh, against it, but I don't believe it will be able to stand much. Uh, so uh, once uh, the GNA forces uh, are able to capture it, then uh, this will open, uh, of course, a valuable opportunity for Turkey maybe to put more power, uh, whether it's uh, the drone power or maybe uh, more uh, military experts on the ground in this base. So it is a very vital and strategic base and it can uh, provide Turkey with a lot of options to transform the, the, the nature of the battle in, in Libya. As we've discussed, the United Arab Emirates has been a key backer of uh, Haftar. Mohammed bin Zayed, the Abu Dhabi Crown Prince and de facto head of the UAE and President Erdogan, uh, how would you describe the relationship between those two? Well, tense, uh, I, I would say, if I would uh, describe the relation between them. Usually, President Erdogan is known for his um, inclination to establish uh, personal relations with leaders of the countries that uh, he thinks they are important. I can say that no such relation exists between Erdogan and the leaders of uh, UAE, including MBZ. So I think uh, the last time both have met, uh, if I'm not wrong, was in uh, 2012. Uh, so I don't think uh, Erdogan attached uh, much importance to the personal relation with uh, MBZ. 
they have basically an ideological dispute, don't they? MBZ uh, has this loathing for political Islam on the one hand, and President Erdogan is a strong supporter of the Muslim Brotherhood on the other. Well, um, yes, uh, the ideological dispute would be one aspect, I suppose. But uh, if you allow me to, to explain here a little bit, I have an uh, unpopular opinion that uh, says the Muslim Brotherhood issue is, uh, as an explaining factor, is always uh, exaggerated. Because uh, Erdogan is pretty much pragmatic when it's needed. And uh, also the UAE didn't have... Uh, serious uh, sensitivity or issues with the Muslim Brotherhood before the 2000. Uh, I think that, uh, and everyone knows, the problem between Turkey and uh, Abu Dhabi started to escalate when the Arab revolutions erupted in 2011 mainly. Uh, at that time, as you know, Abu Dhabi believed that uh, this popular uh, wave would constitute a grave danger to its regime, while uh, Turkey saw it as um, an opportunity to transform the, the region. Uh, now, it happened that uh, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, was at that time the most popular group in several Arab countries. Uh, but I believe that uh, Abu Dhabi's anti-democracy ten tendencies wouldn't have uh, changed uh, much if the Muslim Brotherhood was not even in the scene at all. Uh, that's why if you notice the... Abu Dhabi's counter-revolutionary effort in the region, whether it's uh, in Syria, in, uh, in Libya, in uh, Somalia, in Sudan, and elsewhere, Abu Dhabi aims to install uh, military dictatorships rather than accepting uh, democracy. So uh, this is basically, I think, the, the main dispute between uh, Turkey and the UAE. Uh, of course, some experts, uh, for, for certain reasons, tend to downsize the issue to the Muslim Brotherhood for ideological reasons, but I think it is only one uh, aspect of the problem, which is much bigger than the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, the, uh, the Turks uh, last week sent a very strongly worded message to the Emiratis. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, well uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the... Abu Dhabi will, uh, uh, is, uh, as you know, is a counter-revolutionary uh, anti-democracy force. Uh, uh, right now, they are uh, trying to seize the opportunity of the pandemic to uh, escalate against Turkey, whether in uh, rhetoric or in media or in uh, politics or even on the ground by using uh, proxies. So I think that uh, uh, Turkey is is fed up with this attitude by the UAE, although uh, traditionally Turkey usually ignores the uh, UAE rhetoric, and, but this time it, it chose to uh, firmly respond to uh, Abu Dhabi's statement. And I think uh, from now on we will uh, be hearing much more of this, of such firm stance from Turkey towards the UAE in order to deter any uh, motives uh, that might uh, escalate the tension or the conflict between uh, motives, of course, of the UAE to escalate the tension between Turkey and, uh, and it on the ground. Now, now, you told me that it was the strongest condemnation yet, really, uh, by the Turks. The recent Turkish statement by the foreign uh, ministry was the strongest ever against the uh, UAE. It clearly uh, indicated that 
UAE is supporting uh, terrorist organizations uh, such as Al-Shabaab in Somalia, uh, is also uh, supporting uh, separatist groups in Yemen. It, the Turkey uh, focused in that statement on UAE as a force of instability and chaos in the region and uh, uh, it also sent a direct message to Abu Dhabi that it should know its limits and uh, respect that uh, uh, while dealing with Turkey and uh, quit its hostile uh, policies. So I think this is the uh, a very strong message and uh, it shows that Turkey also will change the way it is dealing with uh, Abu Dhabi from now on. It will uh, resort more to firm and decisive uh, statements and actions against uh, Abu Dhabi. Now let, let's turn to Syria, Ali, if we may, because there MBZ has uh, backed now very clearly backed Bashar al-Assad. Uh, meanwhile, Turkish soldiers deployed in shared patrols with the Russians in Idlib province. What are the hazards going forward in that scenario? Well, uh, yes, that's right. I mean, uh, UAE decided to, to boost its relation with Assad regime during the last few years uh, uh, on the basis of blocking the Syrian revolution and uh, preventing a democratic transition in the country. Uh, since then, uh, I, I believe since 2018, if I'm not wrong, several um, Emirati delegations visited Assad and even uh, invested uh, economically and financially in Syria. Uh, last year, for example, Abu Dhabi opened um, its uh, diplomatic mission in Damascus and uh, fiercely uh, condemned the Turkish military operations against the Syrian dictator. Recently, it has been reported that Abu Dhabi urged Assad to, to uh, sabotage the deal between uh, Russia and Turkey in Idlib in return for billions of dollars. If this is really true, it could be an attempt to, to increase the pressure on Turkey uh, in the Syrian theater with, with the hope that uh, this might decrease the pressure on its Libyan proxy warlord Haftar in Libya. Let's move on to a third front, a third area of contestation, which is Qatar. When the UAE and the Saudis launched their blockade, that was back in June of 2017, they were joined, of course, by the Egyptians and the Bahrain. Uh, it was the Turks and the Iranians who came through uh, in support of Qatar. What is the relationship now between uh, Qatar and Turkey, and how much of, of, it, of that relationship is an irritant to Mohammed bin Zayed? Um, as you may know, the first uh, 48 hours of the blockade were crucial and this is where Ankara actually played a decisive role in uh, helping Doha uh, to overcome the blockade and uh, thwart the Saudi-led plan to escalate the crisis militarily. Now, uh, as you know, uh, Turkey and Qatar are uh, in uh, an official uh, alliance since uh, 2014. Uh, they have a uh, quite uh, effective mechanism uh, of high-level uh, consultation, uh, cooperation, and uh, coordination on the bilateral and regional issues. And uh, both uh, countries uh, are almost on the same page regarding these uh, regional uh, matters. So one main issue, I would argue, is that 
This alliance between Turkey and Qatar allowed Ankara to play a crucial role in the security of the Gulf uh, for the first time in the last 100 years. And, and also this alliance proved to be strong during the last few years, especially in difficult times. So uh, this is very irritating, of course, to um, MBZ uh, as he came to realize that uh, without uh, breaking such uh, alliance, uh, his plans and efforts, along with the, those of uh, Mohammed bin Salman, of course, to subdue uh, Qatar, uh, will always fail. So uh, this is one reason why Abu Dhabi, in my opinion, is uh, obsessed lately with uh, uh, escalating the war of words uh, and uh, on the ground against Ankara and uh, trying to confront or, let's say, counter Turkey regionally. I believe that the, the relations and the alliance between Doha and Ankara will, will stay strong and uh, even deepen in the future. Well, that's interesting what you say. All of these are kind of buttons, if you will, that are being pushed and played by both sides. But let's look at those three that we've been discussing, Syria, Libya, Qatar, MBZ on one side, Erdogan on the other. They are both ambitious keenly ambitious to claim a regional leadership role. Where do you see this headed, Ali? Well, um, I think the answer to, to that question, William, will, will depend on many variables. But uh, as I said earlier, there is no question that uh, Abu Dhabi will uh, remain a counter-revolutionary and uh, anti-democracy force in the region. So uh, in this sense, it will always try to escalate uh, against Turkey, whether in um, whether whether uh, by rhetoric, uh, by uh, using media in politics, or by using uh, proxies, and I think this will continue as long as Abu Dhabi is uh, not suffering direct uh, repercussions of uh, the of its uh, hostile anti-Turkey policies. Now, uh, on the other hand, Turkey, which uh, usually tend to ignore. Uh, Abu Dhabi's behavior, at least publicly, because UAE is not a priority on the Turkish foreign policy agenda, and most more importantly, Turkey doesn't see UAE as a match for it regionally. I would argue that this time Ankara might choose a tougher and firmer tone in dealing with Abu Dhabi. This was uh, pretty obvious from the latest statement of the Turkish foreign policy as we discussed earlier. So uh, also another factor we should take it into consideration, I believe, is uh, when it comes to the latest developments is how the coronavirus will affect the uh, capacity of both uh, UAE and Turkey in terms of economy and in terms of projecting uh, power in the region. This will decide how things might go from now on. If you are following, and I'm sure you are, uh, there are uh, indications that the low uh, prices of oil accompanied with the economic sufferings of the UAE, both Abu Dhabi and UAE deprived from tens of billions of dollars, will eventually uh, constrain its ability to to take uh, regional adventures. Uh, Anyway, this remains to be uh, seen, of course. Because, of course, Turkey's economy, as you said, is suffering very heavily as well and was suffering before COVID-19 hit. So both sides are hurting. 
yes, the economic factor is uh, is uh, important for Turkey and for its uh, military operations uh, in the region. So it will remain to be seen how both will um, react in the uh, aftermath of the pandemic and its implications on both foreign policy and the economy and the military operations in the region also. It's a very interesting matchup, isn't it? President Erdogan and uh, Mohammed bin Zayed of Abu Dhabi. Ali, thank you very much. Thank you very much, William, for hosting me again. And uh, hopefully we can uh, see each other soon, inshallah. You've been listening to the Arab Digest podcast. My guest today was Dr. Ali Bakir, Amina Region political analyst and consultant based in Ankara. He's contributed a chapter to Divided Gulf, The Anatomy of a Crisis, published by Palgrave Macmillan. We welcome your comments. If you're not already a member and you want to join the club, you can find out how by going to ArabDigest.org. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest. Essential reading from independent sources.